Hi, I'm Dave Breckenridge, and this is 10-3, Post Media's Canadian Current Affairs podcast. I'm away this week. We hope you'll enjoy this interview, which was pre-recorded. Since Doug Ford was elected Premier of Ontario in June, he's made national headlines. He's wasted no time trying to undo what he sees as problems with the previous Liberal government under Kathleen Wynne and has found himself an easy foe in Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. We look at what led to Ford's election and what impact his government could have on national politics as Trudeau seeks re-election next year. It's Thursday, July 26th. Adrian Batcher is the editor-in-chief of the Toronto Sun. So, Adrian, back in January, the progressive conservative leader Patrick Brown, who appeared to be a shoe-in to win the election up until that point, was forced out after allegations of improper behavior surfaced. How did Doug Ford wind up in the mix? So that's a great question, and sort of, it, it seems almost like a lifetime ago since that all unfolded. Well, yeah. there, there we all were, and you know, breaking news on a uh, Wednesday evening, we get that CTV is about to break this incredible story about Patrick Brown, and he, within 24 hours of that that story breaking, of course, ultimately resigned as leader through a few trips and stumbles. Ultimately, got um, you know, issued his resignation as leader of the party. So then that left a wide open space. And, you know, people are looking around the uh, PC caucus and thinking to themselves, hey, maybe this is my chance. But there was always one name that lingered. Even before Patrick Brown won the leadership of the of the party just a few short years ago and when Christine Elliott ran against him, um, who, of course, is now uh, the, the health minister, um, there was a name that kept lurking and it was always Doug Ford. A lot of people wanted Doug Ford to run. I believe it was in 2015 when when Patrick Brown became leader, but for many reasons, um, Mr. Ford chose not to. So now this seemed like an incredible opportunity to get the so-called Ford Nation inject that into the PC Party of Ontario, and there was a, a, a big rally of support around Doug. A lot of people got behind him. But conversely, a lot of people who are what we would say the so-called establishment conservatives in Ontario were not behind him. They were behind Carolyn Mulroney. They were behind Christine Elliott and, and others. So Doug was once again, you know, put together his own group of people who are all very, very good at what they do in their own right. Good, good, smart group of political staffers, um, strategists and thinkers. And we and they hit the ground running and mm -hmm. lo and behold, took everybody um, off guard. What was it about? Doug Ford's candidacy that a lot of people within the party didn't like. Well, I think part of it we have to actually then go back to what happened with his form with his with his brother, the former mayor of Toronto, Rob Ford, rest his soul. Mm -hmm. So one of the things, of course, that people always saw about the Fords was there's a lot of chaos around them. It's a big, giant family circus. It is tumultuous. It's dramatic. It's over the top. It's not our. It's not their type of conservatism, which is. Utter nonsense, frankly, because when Rob Ford did become mayor of Toronto, he was truly guided by small-c conservative principles. He cut taxes, he privatized garbage, he got a labor deal done that, frankly, no other mayor in, in, in the country could have gotten against uh, the unions here. So Rob's first term, in, uh, first year and a half in office were, were quite steady. They were quite uh, accomplished. A lot happened. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, you side a sidestep to... Th certain things that Doug Ford would have said during his term as a city councillor, because let's not forget, Doug was a city councillor when Rob Ford was mayor. Yeah. So, 
you know, Doug said, you know, certain things about um, certain aspects of Toronto that we know we need Ferris wheels down here. And so anyway, it just became this whole notion of it's, it's just too much is over the top. And then sadly, they had this rather unfortunate, very public weight loss challenge for, for Rob. And that was just a nothing short of a catastrophe. So a lot of people who would fashion themselves to be conservatives in, in, in the province kind of were, were quite uncomfortable with that. And so yeah. it's, it's one of those sorts of things where you have always different factions in each of your parties, regardless of your, you know, left, right or center, NDP or liberal. So the, but the conservatives in Ontario certainly have their factions. Um, and there be- actually became a point during the leadership based on certain decisions that were being made by the party. It almost became an anybody but Doug situation. But again, you see someone who sold more memberships. He sold, uh, or he, he was able to um, put forward a, a message that resonated with Ontarians uh, during the leadership mm-hmm. campaign. But you also saw this narrative that has been created about Doug Ford, that he is, you know, just going to go crazy and, you know, start throwing things around a room. No one saw that during the leadership. No one saw that. So the caricature that he, that was of him during his time at city council was certainly not the Doug Ford that, you know, w- was was put forward during during the leadership campaign. Okay, and you've known the Fords for a while. You you worked uh, previously as a communications director for Rob Ford. Was the premier's office a goal that I, either of them had set for themselves? So it's really interesting you say that because I remember on a couple of occasions, and probably it was more flippant than others. But uh, Premier Ford's now uh, deputy chief of staff uh, reminded me on election night. I was the one that was sitting in Rob's office in the mayor's office saying, we're going to make Doug premier one day. And I mean, I didn't remember. I said all sorts of things back then. I mean, who knew? But I, um, I guess it's, it was certainly something, but you know, who, who kind of talked about it was Rob. Rob was, was always convinced, you know, Doug was going to move on and do bigger and better things. And um, certainly that bore to be true. Now back to the leadership race and, and the, election campaign um under patrick brown the pc party of ontario seemed to be aligning for liberal votes they were in support of the idea of a carbon tax which we know doug ford has spoken out against and as well he seemed supportive of um the win government's revamping of the sex ed curriculum which conservatives in ontario have made quite a bit of, of a stink about um what was the ford strategy do you think in trying to step away from some of those decisions that patrick brown had made while he was leader okay so t- i think it's helpful to have a little bit of context if we go back a little bit further so when mr when patrick sure. brown when patrick brown was running for leader of the party uh there was a time when he himself talked about that they're going to revamp the sex ed curriculum they rip it up and you know and start afresh do something different and of course that appeases the socially conservative wing of of the party no question about it but then you fast forward to when patrick brown and his team put together what was then called the people's guarantee and as you are already articulated within that was very much status quo on sex ed very much status quo with the liberals on on carbon tax because part of the mentality mm-hmm. for 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 the brown team was like no sudden moves this is our election to lose We've proven over and over again that conservatives are are not able to get past the finish line. And frankly, there was a lot of discussion about their guy himself, about Patrick Brown. Mm -hmm. He was likable enough, but 
was was he going to resonate with Ontarians? And the Liberals under Kathleen Wynne, so we were told over and over again, were formidable opponents, formidable in on on the campaign stump. Like Kathleen Wynne, you know, is is very likable. She's mm-hmm. she knows her stuff. She's got her premier mom thing going on. So she she has that ability to sort of explain things and you know, they sound kind of reasonable. So so the Brown there was a there was this notion on the Brown side that Patrick wasn't going to be able to put it over the finish line and actually win this election because in 2003, in 2007, in 2011, and in 2014, Tories are always ahead in the polls. And, and those, I know yeah. those are the provincial elections in Ontario, but they never won a single one of them. So there was a lot of fear, a lot of pressure, a lot of angst amongst the Brown folks that Patrick wasn't going to resonate. So th- there's that. So when when you talk about what it was con- what would be dubbed controversial with respect to the sex ed or even the carbon tax um, which is far less controversial by the way is overwhelmingly supported by majority of Ontarians to get, get rid of this damn thing and to fight Justin Trudeau on it but purely mm-hmm. on the sex ed curriculum Doug Ford has said during the campaign that he is going to revisit this he is going to uh, during the leadership campaign and he also said it during the general election that this is something that his government is going to do so yeah people are kind of up in arms about it. I personally don't like how they went about it. I think that there could have been a sort of a scaled uh, back uh, rather than wholesale change. But uh, mm-hmm. for those that are drawing, um, you know, sort of lighting their hair on fire about it, 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 it's a little bit over the top. It's a little bit hysterical. This, this is a process that the, the provincial government is going to go through. They're going to do it very quickly, by the way, because they have a school year coming up and they, they're going to need some new things. Um, they're they're going to need their own version of a new curriculum. So in the short answer, also is that I suspect uh, that they will very they will have very much of the same things that are in this curriculum, the the, the liberal version of the curriculum. I suspect that the Tories will also be implementing those sorts of things as well. Okay. Um, And since his election, uh, Premier Ford, he's kind of he's wasted no time trying to get to work doing some of the things he talked about doing during the campaign. What have been other than the carbon tax and sex ed? What have been the the major uh, points that he's looked at so far? So I'm going to answer this two ways. I'm going to answer this first by as a former political staffer and someone that's sort of been around those tables when you're deciding, you know, how you're measured as a government is usually your first mm-hmm. hun- so-called hundred days in office. So yeah. the thing you want to do and you want to do it quickly is all the heavy lifting in your first term, even in the first few months, you rip up that bandaid right away because then you have time to, you know, g- get the public on your side, work, you know, work with the, uh, with the uh, civil servants, work with the new, within the new bureaucracies and the new governance structures that you've created in order to move your agenda forward. Because there, as the saying goes, you know, the day, the next election starts the day after the last one, right? So there, they, their mindset is get it, get this down and dirty stuff done now. And then when we're going up for re-election, you know, it's sort of that notion, much accomplished, more to do, give us another mandate because we have all, we've accomplished all this. We need to do more for you. So that's the first way I'd answer this. Now, as on the, on the other side of this, they have again done, Doug Ford has decided that he campaigned on saying they're going to have a, a, a serious deep dive and look at the books and the finances of Ontario. 
Mm-hmm. He announced that earlier uh, this week that it will be the former premier of um, British Columbia, uh, Gord Campbell, leading this charge. Again, it's got to happen in very short order. Uh, the, so that's that's taking place. And one of the other things that he talked about was uh, with respect to the Green Energy Act. The Green Energy Act in Ontario has been nothing short of a disaster. Uh, our colleague at Post Media and at the Toronto Sun, Lori Goldstein, has written so much about this. And of course, Lauren Gunter has as well. Uh, that this notion that Ontarians are paying so much more for for our energy and and for those good, for that here in Ontario, you know, than we're selling. We have a surplus. So. Tearing up a lot of those contracts was was very much part of his commitment, and that has also happened. Over seven hundred of them are not going to be renewed. So this is this is another big step in in the direction of sort of pushing forward the many of the commitments that he made uh, on the campaign. So so you add them up, and it's uh, it's it's almost a systematic dismantling of, of of so much damage that has happened under the Liberals in Ontario over the last fifteen years. Mm-hmm. And the Liberals in Ontario, um, for people who don't necessarily follow Ontario politics from other parts of the country, over the last few years of the of the Liberal government, there had been concerns about, you know, what happens with a lot of governments after they've been in power a while, um, rot and corruption and things of that nature. Um, do you think that had Doug Ford run against Kathleen Wynne five years ago, that the result would have been similar? That's a really good question. I think they actually, they would have been similar because Doug Ford conservative is a unique character because even it, it even the people that would support Doug Ford, there are a lot of NDPers. There are a lot of liberals that would support Doug Ford. You know, those blue collar working class um, people of Ontario who are like the backbone of our province that are out there doing the the hard lifting every day. Those people were abandoned by liberal by the liberals over the last number of years. And, and Doug carried that message forward and he articulated that quite well during the leadership in the general election. Uh, and I think it, we saw that with the like the province was painted blue um, that night on June 7th. And if you look at even the strengths and the areas where Doug Ford won, no, I mean, it, no one would have expected it. So so for many of our friends out, out west who don't follow the Ontario sort of world, a, a quick reminder, this is perhaps the Liberals uh, be, be, by Dalton McGuinty before her and now Kathleen and then Kathleen Wynne were perhaps one of the most politically corrupt governments this country has ever seen. They have a <clears throat> chief of staff who has been tried and convicted and is going to prison for illegally deleting emails in um, wow. the multi-billion dollar canceled gas plant scandal. Scandal after scandal has been racked up. It doesn't matter what issue, what file or public policy they touched over the last number of years. There's been a massive screw up. And, you know, look, all they have to do is go look at the Ontario Auditor General's reports and it's it's all there in, in black and white. But between an air ambulance scandal, between a cancelled multi-billion dollar cancelled gas plants, um, hallway medicine has now become an, a massive issue that needs to be tackled. This is mm-hmm. uh, this is the liberal legacy. And so, you know, you talk about cause and effects. Look, we had a an extreme left wing, uh, uh, you know, social justice type premier in Kathleen Wynne. And and the result is you get someone like a Doug Ford that's going to want to unwind a lot of that. We'll be right back. This is Dave Breckenridge, host of 10.3, Post Media's Canadian Current Affairs podcast. The name represents Canada's 10 provinces and three territories, and each episode takes a deeper look at one of the biggest stories in the country. 
Our show is powered by the work of journalists and newsrooms across Canada, so be sure to support your local paper. We're available wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Google, Stitcher, and more. So be sure to subscribe and leave a review. We'd love to hear what you think. You can get me on Twitter, Breckenridge, Y-E-G, or dbreckenridge at postmedia.com. And it wasn't just Kathleen Wynne that that Doug Ford has been targeting. He's also set his sights on Prime Minister Justin Trudeau in Ottawa. And and it's not just on the carbon tax. There are other there are other issues that he's looking for a, a fight on. I'm just wondering if you can touch on that a little bit. Certainly. So Doug Ford was elected June 7th. It was a Thursday evening. And then, of course, June 8th, Prime Minister Trudeau um, and President Trump are now in this protracted trade battle. Doug Ford has not even sworn in as premier. He's, of course, he's um, premier designate, but designate. And first, one of the first things he did, though, on that Friday, was asked by the press about what he thinks about the about the trade war going on between the U.S. and Canada. And he stood shoulder to shoulder with Prime Minister Trudeau and said, "Look, we're yeah. going to have fights, certainly on certain issues, but when it comes to this, we as a country need to stand behind our Prime Minister and and work together and our shoulder to shoulder to ensure that you know Canadian goods are continue to have um, a good showing in, in the marketplace, etc." So that was interesting. But then you sort of fast forward to a couple of weeks later when the two men actually meet face to face. You know, you have that. It's always about the handshake and getting that right, and you know who touches whose arm and what's the body language, right? Well. Doug Ford is walking into those meetings with Prime Minister Trudeau in a position of strength, not only because he got such an overwhelming mandate from the people of Ontario to fight the carbon tax, but also he's got friends and allies across the country now in other Mm -hmm. premiers, which are all meeting this week. I mean, Doug Ford was front and center at the first minister's meeting from out east um, talking about this going on. Look, Scott Moe, the Premier of Saskatchewan, to his credit, one of the first out of the gate saying, hey, we're going to fight this. And mm-hmm. and then, you know, now Brian Pallister is going to fight it potentially. And of course, now we've got Doug Ford in Ontario and the Premier of PEI. And then there's another factor in where you guys are, the Jason Kenney factor. If yeah. Alberta, if Jason Kenney gets Alberta delivered to him, and, he, and which uh, by all measures, he probably will be Premier by this time next year, uh, that's another one that's going to fight, uh, have a fight on their hands um, against the feds. So going into the federal election for 2019, you think of the optics for the prime minister to say, hey, I know that, uh, you know, we need to do fight. We need to fight climate change. We need to do all these things and a, a bunch of lo- a lot of words. But I'm going to tax you more. And then on the on the other flip side, you have your your premier saying, uh, uh-uh, I'm not going to let you uh, tax us more. So I think it's going to make for an interesting dynamic. I believe, mm-hmm. however, Doug Ford will be uh, able to sort of lead that charge. And it just, it's just interesting because he'll, he'll be the newbie around the table in the premier, you know, of the first ministers. But he's, as I said, because he received such an overwhelming mandate and he was never shy about fighting and talking about it, it gives him almost that, that little bit more leverage than, than others right now. Does, do you think that he fares a little better having the Trudeau liberals in control federally as opposed to, say, if a federal election had already been held and you had a conservative conservative government in Ottawa, um, does it give him an easy foe now that the provincial liberals are a rump of what they used to be? Oh, I think that's absolutely. But, you know, if you sort of look at the political history of Ontario, you know, you generally say for the last few years, uh, it's generally been like if you have a liberal government provincially, you have a federal conservative government. Or if you have a federal conservative government, you have a provincial, you know, it's sort of, it's sort of almost flips. Uh, but mm-hmm. I mean, it's not consistent, but it's sort of been like that. I think I think even if 
if it was liberal versus liberal, having the federal government as your foil is always helpful. Yes, of course, if, if you have the same ideology like Trudeau and, and Wynne certainly had, it makes things a little bit easier and you can sort of work things out a little bit nicer. But it it's helpful for Doug, especially if he clearly sees um, a federal government that wants to be too heavy handed, a federal government that is, is you know, going to impose certain things. Doug will, uh, Premier Ford will fight that. Um, look, whether he'll be successful or not is, is anybody's guess. But what I would say right now is Ford is coming again from a far better position of strength through an a, a, a overwhelming electoral mandate versus mm-hmm. a prime minister who is, let's say, for, for the lack of veterans, somewhat weakened over the course of the last couple of years from his own group of scandals. So you're, when, you're, when you're fighting that um, uh, on an, at an election, when Doug already fought his, Trudeau has to go fight his next year, it's going to be a very tricky, nuanced uh, messaging coming from the federal liberals. Yeah. Um, and one other issue that there seems to be disagreement on between the Ford government and the Trudeau government is the issue of asylum seekers in Ontario. Um, I know that there's concerns about the number of uh, asylum seekers who are coming across the border, but what is the big issue right now in Ontario regarding people who have come across the border? What, where are the pressure points in Ontario on that? Oh, well, it's predominantly in Toronto. Um, the, mm-hmm. the mayor of Toronto, John Tory, has been ugh, screaming for help, like just practically begging the federal government to put some sort of plan into place. Because right now what we have is many of, of them uh, occupying dorm residences and in, in, on, on campuses. We have them mm-hmm. overrun in our, um, like our, our, our community centers are, 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 are loaded up and we just don't have the resources, the money, their ability to, to handle all of it. And the pressure is in our social services system, which was already strained by the way. Um, mm-hmm. Our, our homeless shelters. I mean, it's, it is, it is a, such a fundamental problem that's happening in, in, in our city, specifically Toronto, um, overarchingly more. It's so it's, it's very focused here because it's the biggest city in Toronto and it gets so much attention, right? I mean, it gets a lot of media mm-hmm. attention, but many of them, this is where they end up, uh, in, in the big city. So that is, uh, and it's spilling out though. I shouldn't just put the focus all on Toronto. It's spilling out into other areas that, you know, are trying to help out, pick up the slack. But fact is this, uh, the entire system is stressed. The entire, um, uh, position that the federal liberals have put forward is, is not only untenable, but it's unrealistic. And Doug Ford, Premier Ford recognizes that this is, this is, an, this is another area that they need pushback on. So the minister responsible, Lisa McLeod, of course, got in a bit of a bun fight with the federal minister, um, Ahmed Hassan, when Hassan so, I don't know, stupidly called her un-Canadian, um, mm-hmm. it, was, it, was a, it was a bit much. So Canadians, I think, in general, understand that there's a problem here, uh, and it's a problem in part of our own making. And so there's an expectation, not that the provinces are going to fix it or the municipalities, it's that the federal government has to fix it. All right. And one final question for you. Based on his first month in office, there's been lots of criticism in certain circles and there's lots of, uh, I think, praise for what he's been doing to undo what was seen as bad policies by the liberals. Where do you think the criticism of him has been wrong? And where do you think the criticism of him has been right? So I think the criticism 
has actually been quite straightforward. I mean, it's, ex- it's exactly where I expected it to come from. Once they address that issue with respect to sex ed, you're going to hear from the usual suspects that he's he's mm-hmm. taking away all these rights and he's he's endangering children and he's blah, blah, blah. You, you hear all this stuff. So I think that, though I, I think some of the criticism in itself is unfair, it's unsurprising. Uh, and, and where I think it's been completely right is... You know, I don't know. It's a very hard. It's a very hard question to answer. He's doing exactly what he said he's going to do. So yeah. no one should be so one ounce surprised by anything that has been brought forward. Perhaps where people are somewhat shocked, and we've kind of addressed this already, is the speed by which it's happening and the mm-hmm. accelerated version of of sort of getting this all done and and almost looking for a fall reset. Uh, one of the things that I think has been fair, I will say this, we had a speech from the throne just a couple of weeks ago. It was fine. Laid mm. out the policies, the, pro- the programs to a degree, but throne speeches are usually just a skeleton. We're looking for a budget. We need a budget. And that I think is going to be quite telling. So once they sort of get through this financial review, I will remind your listeners, your uh, the, the previous liberal government hid about $6 billion in a deficit according to the Auditor General. So once someone finds out what's happened with all this money, we'll get a budget. And and I think a lot of the criticism that's come against Doug Ford unfairly that, you know, he doesn't he doesn't have a financial plan. He's working. They're working on it from by all measures. And we'll we'll see just how bad it is. Excellent. Adrian, thanks so much for your time. My pleasure. 10-3 is produced by Carson Jarama and Carrie Ann Sprawl. I'm Dave Breckenridge. Thanks for listening.